may be well and may God that mishap not come about through us and may we not stumble in a matter of law and causes our colleges to rejoice over us and may we not say regarding something that is to may that is to whore and not regarding something that is to whore that is to may and may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of law and we rejoice over them for Adonai grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding unveil my eyes unveil our eyes that we may perceive wondrous in your Torah Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barak. So uh, everyone say shalom to David McDonald. Shalom. 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 And uh, we're in the uh, we're in the weirdest spot for the camera, which I uh, had actually put away, thinking that we wouldn't be needing the camera again. But here we are needing the camera again. One more time. So, if I can get you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17, I'd like to just do a quick review of the. What, what is that? Does anybody know what the what John 17 is called? What's referred to as? Well, my Bible refers to it as the high priestly prayer. The high priestly prayer, exactly correct. So, uh, if you're familiar with uh, the book of John, you'll recognize that uh, in John 18, we have uh, Jesus speaking the words of John 17 and going out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. This, of course, is which garden? Gethsemane. Gethsemane, which means? Uh, olive press. Olive press, good. And um, this was his regular habit, but of course this is the last night of his life. So, what day is it? It's Arab Pesach. It's Arab Pesach, exactly right. Well, yeah, Arab Pesach. It depends on Calvin, what time of lost. Right. So uh, at this point, he has just finished his Seder, and he has prayed these words of John 17, and then they evidently leave. Presumably, according to the other Gospels, synoptic or not, uh, seeing him prior to doing so. Uh, but they go into Gethsemane, and then Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and officers from the chief priests, uh, go with their lanterns, torches, and weapons, and they arrest him. And so begins the saga of his last evening. So with that background, we're looking at the last prayer that uh, he actually shares with his apostles, his disciples. So I'd like to just kind of tear this up a little bit here, if we could, uh, and see as we close for uh, for a month what he prayed. If indeed it is a high priestly prayer, what is it he prayed for us? He asked for seven things, and I'd like to quickly review those seven things with you, uh, not only to encourage you, but to get you to think about some of them with regard to our own personal walk. And, uh, and then we'll just break and call it an evening and uh, get everybody home early, um, hopefully after a nice glass of wine and, uh, and a good mazel tov for a great July. And we'll come back in August and uh, quickly jump into the 
uh, Sermon on the Mount and uh, trying as much as possible to tie it back to the Torah and to see how our master is consistent in that way and uh, hopefully get some understanding of exactly what he was teaching. Okay, we all good? Yep. Questions? Good. All right. Um, do you think there's value for those in Gastonia or those that haven't had Bibles smuggled in, like Gastonia, um, <laughs> to read uh, John 17 quickly out loud? Sure. Right. I think it'd be beneficial. All right, so I'm looking at uh, 26 verses. There's four of you, eight verses each, and I'll take the last two. How's that sound? Good? Why don't you start us off? Eight verses each for four of us. Okay, let's do that math again. 26 divided by four. Six. I'm going to go with six, and then I'll take those last two. If you take six verses, you pick up on verse seven. <laughs> you pick up on verse 14. pick up on verse 21. And you know what? I'm not going to do the last two. I want you to take my two verses. That's the kind of guy I want to be tonight. <laughs> All right. So you're thinking Johnny is going to have eight verses. That's what I'm There it is. Eight. The last guy. When Yeshua had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Yeshua HaMashiach, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your, kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. For now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into your world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but only for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though you, the world does not know you, 
I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you had loved me may be in them, and I in them. Excellent. Okay. So again, seven requests here. Um, so we'll just walk through these quickly. In uh, verses 4 and 5, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Verses 4 and 5. You notice that that's future tense? Everybody see that? It's future tense. Having accomplished. Yeah. I already did. But he hadn't done it. We just described the, the, the venue. He's not yet crossed the brook Kidron mm -hmm. to go into the, the Garden of Gethsemane. But he's saying, I've already got it done. I've accomplished the work he sent me to do. What work did he send him to do? He sent him to die. Yeah. But he hadn't died. And yet he's saying that he had already accomplished the work. Is it possible that he's, he's actually praying in the future? I guess that he's He's actually almost like out of body. And in that other tabernacle we always talk about, the real one, not the copy that Moses made, not the one that we used, but the real one, and is expressing to the Father ahead of time, I did it. I did what you wanted me to do, so now I've got a few requests. I don't think that's a stretch. I don't think so either. So, if that's if that works for you, at least temporarily here, let's look at his requests in light of his, as Joshua said, high priestly prayer, acting as the Kohen Gadol, entering this one time into this tabernacle not made with hands, having accomplished the work, and saying, okay, got that out of the way. Got a few things I'd like to I'd like to request. That's that's where we're coming from. So what's um, what do we got here? Um, if you look by the way in verse eleven, Yeshua says in his same prayer, I'm no longer in the world. But he is in the world. He's evidently in an upper room praying. But he's saying he's not in the world. So we, I think we're in the midst of a transportation dilemma thing. It's almost like he's acting as if the events of the next 24 hours have, are already, done. have already transpired. Exactly right. And I would go further to say 24 hours, therefore the death, and then three, three days, days, three nights, yeah. right? I thought of that as I was saying. Yeah, yeah. so I, you're right. I think he is... He has transported himself physically, mentally, logically, whatever, 
to the, so to the, to the end. The logical, the logical question is why do you feel you need to ask this now before all this happened rather than after it all happened? Hold that thought. I think there's an answer just in what he asks. I, and he's done this before. Um, do you remember what he said when he raised Lazarus from the dead? After he raised or when he actually died? As he was raising him. Thank you for hearing me. Yeah. What else? I know that you always hear me, but that these make, but you have heard me that these may believe. Yeah. I, you always hear me. I, I could have just thought it. I could have spoken it just to you, but I said it out loud as the implication so they would hear me. And believe. And believe. And, and I think that may be part of the answer there. It's like, okay, I, I came here to do a work. Let me, let me get the work done before I got to go do the work. No? Yeah, and it seems, I mean, to me, that this is not surprising because I feel like from what we've learned of like more of the mystical side of Judaism, it's like the closer connected you become with Hashem, the less connected you become with everything that's physical. Including time. Right. In the world and all exactly. I, I mean and that would that actually makes sense that he is on such a high connection with Hashem in this particular case that that's how the whole events that played out, he was as it says, like as the lamb led to slaughter, yeah. you know, not a single bone. All all of these it's, it's almost like he's removed yeah, from it. And exactly. he's just watching himself go through it almost an out of body exactly. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I'm saying here. Which, of course, then he mentions, you know, being like, as you and I are one, you know, may they all be one as well. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. All right, so his first request, he says it twice, verse 1 and verse 5, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Verse 5, Father, glorify me together with yourself. And so, what's, what's this all about? And um, well, um, something I thought was interesting in the, the second half of verse 5 unless you're going to focus on the first half in which case I will wait uh, I'm on the first half but go ahead okay so it says that I had with you before the world existed yeah so um, the only other place I can remember right now that, that this was mentioned as something being with him before creation is, is, is in Proverbs yes. uh, chapter 8 wisdom and it's about wisdom and it's, but it's really cool what it says in, this, in the second half because the whole thing is about wisdom, but the first half is specifically about wisdom. But the second half, it seems, doesn't necessarily specify wisdom exactly. It is, well, let me. The, read. the assumption is. The assumption is, because of the context. But it says, uh, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea to its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundation of the earth, there I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of men. It's amazing. It is amazing. We see the same thing in Colossians, where he is the preeminent one who is the agent of creation. And, and it just it struck me as kind of odd because um, the, in the, the con first context of, of the chapter 8 is, the, is, is focused on wisdom and uh, listens to where she calls it the streaks. She has knowledge, she has insight by her king's rule. 
all these things, and and then it goes into this, and it doesn't seem to be, I don't know. To me, it's it's not necessarily talking about wisdom exactly. It's talking about whoever this entity is. Yeah, it's a persona of some type. Well, it's interesting that the um, that wisdom is female, because ruach, the spirit, is also a female term. So it uses a female verbs with that. Which is particularly intriguing because the reference, the first reference we have to the spirit in the scriptures in Genesis, right. this is the spirit of God hovering over water. Well, Judaism says that's the spirit of Messiah. Exactly. It's exactly you get right. all these interconnections. See, it all it all ties together. It's good. I noticed. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, is that the same point? Because I, I was thinking. Oh yeah, just Hebrews chapter four is the other place that it mentions that his work was finished before the foundations of yeah. the world. And it's interesting because it mentions that and it goes through how that kind of works, but then it just jumps right into, since then we have a great high priest, Yeshua, there it is. which ties back to this one. Exactly right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the, um, I also thought it's interesting, if you look at this prayer, it's not quite, it's a little bit, it's not quite as smooth as this, but it's almost a chiastic poem. Because he opens with, um, you give him authority over all flesh, glorify your son, and he ends with, um, the world has not known you, I have known you, I have made your name known to them, um, and will make it known to the love that you love me to be in them and I in them. So he's got like, but he, right before that he talks again that they may see the glory that you give me before the foundation of the world, which again goes back to the reference. It's almost like he's, and then if you go throughout the, the whole structure of the prayer, it's like, it, 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 for one thing, it is very, it's heavily thematic. It's not a, it's not like we think of in terms of prayer, like here's request one, here's request two. It's almost like there are a handful of themes, and he's basically just repeating them in different ways throughout the, the, the prayer. But it almost like bookends the prayer, like the first four verses and the last four verses are almost identical, um, even in structure. And then like the middle of it um, has, like, like I said, it's almost kind of like interwoven with a lot of the same themes. But... It's an interesting step. I don't know that there's anything particularly significant about that, but I find it intriguing, um, especially because it's very it's a fun it's a it's a popular device to use in um, in Jewish prayer, mm-hmm. both in the Siddur uses a lot of chiastic poetry. Chiastic meaning um, uh, the first and the end, you know, bookend. Then the next two points correlate. And the next two points correlate. Yeah. So on and so forth. Well, let's go through it and let's see what happens here. So. First request, glorify your son, glorify me. And th- this is, uh, this this was where I was uh, trying to come from with, uh, with our discussion on Yeshua the Messiah earlier. Uh, the last point that we made when the men were still here was that the resurrection is proof. And this is the proof that the Father has accepted the work of the Son is that he had been glorified. Um, we read that in two different passages. Um, somebody grabbed me 1 Corinthians 15. Somebody grabbed me Philippians chapter 2. I got my Philippians. Nope. Sorry. Did you say 1 Corinthians 15? 15. Give me 20 it. through 28. Somebody else get Philippians 2. Did you say 20 through 28? Yes, sir. Give okay. me that. But in fact... Messiah has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Messiah shall all be made alive. 
but each in his own order, Messiah the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Messiah. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected... What? That means it doesn't count to him. Yeah. When, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Don't you love Paul? Especially when he has one. Philippians 2? The whole chapter. Uh, no, oh, 5 through 11. Five Thank you. Through 11. <laughs> I was ready. Have this, in mind, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Messiah Yeshua, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man, of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Yeshua every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Which is, of course, a paraphrase from Isaiah. That every knee will bow and every tongue shall right. right. We say that every time we pray the Elaine. Mm-hmm. That's right. So he's asking that God would glorify him. I did what you wanted me to do. Glorify me now. And put me back where I was before I went through this kenosis, this shrinking, this reduction. I was born as a man. And he did. We know he did. Paul says he did, but more importantly, what did Stephen say right before he died? Guy's getting stoned. What's he say? He looks up. I can see a man standing at the right hand of God. There it is. So it did happen. It's interesting in Romans chapter 1, Paul also equates the resurrection with the person, the, the position of Yeshua. Um, he's talking about Yeshua, he says um, in the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared to the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Yeshua HaMashiach our Lord. Amen. So, he wants us, he wants him to be glorified as proof that the father has accepted his work and we've got acceptance of his atoning sacrifice. So, there we go. That's number one. Number two, verse 11. Holy Father, keep them, that would be the disciples, right, in your name, the name which you've given me, that they may be one even as we are. So, what, what is he asking for here? Well, if you think literal, he's talking about okay. salvation. I think so. I think you're exactly right. That we've got salvation, and not only salvation, but eternal salvation. Why? Because his name, in Judaism, is his essence. If we understand his name, we understand who he is, what he is, how he is, how he acts, how he thinks, everything about him. That's what the name represents. And he is eternal. And that salvation is sure as as as, as sure as the existence 
of God, his very nature, immutable and eternal, uncreated, created. Good. I oh, nailed that one. All right. Number three. The third request is in verse 15. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them in the world. What's your what's your translations get? Anything different? Mine says keep them from the evil one. From the evil one? Anybody got the e everybody got the evil one? Evil one. Evil one? Evil one? Evil one? Evil one? Evil one. All right. No, I have the evil technically. Oh, the evil, the okay. Evil. Because the a one is, is in italics, it's not actually there in the Greek. Yeah. Um, well actually the, it is. Um, the uh, I believe the uh, we've got the uh, definite article there. Right, it is the evil. But um, but I'm just saying that like when they when they translate it into English, they add one to clarify that it's like a specific evil being as opposed to the evil. Like yeah, well, I, I think, but I think they're right about that. Right. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's. I'm just saying that it's not. It's not a one-to-one -one translation. The one is added to try to make it to try to convey the point the Greek is trying to say. Right. Okay. That's good. I think that's right. Um, this is uh, this is a tough time for. Uh, for the, the Baptists that believe that uh, we'll be pulled out when things get tough, uh, even though there's no example of that in the scriptures. The great big, you know, UA-62. Coming in. Coming in. That's it. Everybody get on. Grab them and pull them out, yeah. Um, there's three examples that are absolutely fundamental in scripture uh, of the opposite effect. Two of them are repeated in Isaiah 43. Why don't you grab that for me? And um, the first one, of course, is, well, we just went through it, Pesach, not too long ago. I really find it hard to believe it wasn't that long ago. I know. But it feels like it was last year. Yeah. It was just a couple of months. Um, As an we see that the plagues were brought upon Egypt, but Israel was not removed from Egypt until after the plagues. They made it through the plagues, and he protected them through the plagues. And it says specifically in uh, many of the last ones there that it just didn't affect the folks that were in Goshen. The second one was um, Noah, of course. He was, he was, but he was in the flood. Yeah, he was in the flood, uh, protected while in the midst of it within the ark. And what's the third one? Famous. They didn't bow, they didn't bend, they didn't burn. Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro. They went into the fire. Yeah. And God protected them in the fire. So what do you got in uh, 43.2? Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. No. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Nor will the flame burn you. Daniel and his friends. There it is. Did you want to continue because it makes it easier for the next verse? I do. So, what's the deal? Keeping them from the evil one. Well, and, and to drive, drive home your point, you need to bring it back to like the history of Christianity, quote mm -hmm. unquote. Mm -hmm. Huge amount of like, you know, persecution and martyrs and, and so forth. And, and Yeshua himself says, you know, you will be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted, absolutely. So it, yeah. it's it's kind of ridiculous to think that you're just going to pass. Yep, and and just walk on water and you know have a, a saintly life. Well, I think when we 
Um, I think I'm trying to think about Judy's Jewish perspective on this, and it reminds me of the prayer you pray when you wake up, and the prayer you pray when you go to bed, okay. and both are all about God protecting you from the Yetzirah, from the evil one, from the evil man, the evil companion, yeah. so on and so forth, but it's almost entirely in the context, with the exception of some of the, um, some of the evil persons, uh, it's almost entirely in the context of protecting you basically from, from sin. The idea being, don't let me be put into, lead us not into temptation, is essentially what it's getting at. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh, in this case, I think the next request he's got is more along those lines. We'll get to that one in a minute. In a minute. I think this one with the definite article in the Greek is specifically speaking of the adversary. And that we should expect that the adversary is attempting to just overthrow our faith. And that we don't have to succumb to that. That in fact, we can, if he's you know, intent upon our destruction, that we need to expect him to attack. And we need to be prepared. We, and he has prayed that we would be kept from that one. And uh, I think Paul thought the same thing. Ephesians 6.12. Can you grab that? Do you have it? Ephesians 6.12. And First um, John four four. <coughs> Interesting to study sometime. That the uh, evil one concept. Twelve. Holy Spirit. Just that one verse six twelve. <coughs> but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There it is. There's a. Interesting Rashi today regarding Bilam and not seeing the angel, but the donkey saw the angel. Right, right. Rashi said that the reason for that is because be, uh, humans possess intelligence, which means that God prevents us from seeing demons so that we don't go insane. <laughs> you know, hmm. if you've read This Present Darkness and some of those other ones, yeah, Frank yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Frank's got it down. <laughs> He does. I don't he, need to be seeing this stuff because I would freak. That's I think right. he's seeing some stuff, Mr. Yeah. Brady. Well, you know, he may have been smoking. But <laughs> yeah. First John 4 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. So um, it, it may have to do with all evil, but with the definite article, I think we, we just need to remember that Hasatan, the adversary, the liar from the garden is intent upon causing us to stumble and does not want us to survive. And right. he is specifically praying here, I think, to keep us from it. I agree. I think, I think though, that um, I do see, I see Hasatan's role as, as more, it's primarily about the concepts of sin, temptation, and, and then accusation upon sin. Um, one of the comments in the Midrash this morning talking about, or today, this week talking about Balaam, was that um, they said that um, Hasatan dances in front of the person who's off doing something wrong, and then as soon as they've done it, he like turns around and accuses them for having done so. So um, his role, I think that um, is not it's not the the I'm trying to look He's not the arch villain like, you know, the Joker or the Penguin, and he's True. out there trying to, um, yeah, yeah. He's not like um, 
he's not like he's trying to wage literal warfare per se upon us. He wants to kill us or whatever. It's really all about, it seems to me, to be primarily about um, our, our interactions with God and he's in, intervening at some level, stre stressing it, testing it, pushing it, breaking it, whatever. Because I see Job... But, but, but that's not what Paul says in Ephesians. He says that we're wrestling against not just physical stuff here. Right, but right. against powers and principalities. That's what I'm saying, though. Is it's 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 a but it's a spiritual battle as opposed to, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the devil in Christianity is oftentimes interpreted as the source of all bad things in life. Yeah, I don't think we're talking about the devil of Christianity right now. I, I think know we're talking about the devil of, of Judaism. Right, and that's what I'm saying is the devil of Judaism is not he's not the one that pops your tire on the side of the road. He's not the one that you get a broken leg. He's the he's the one who is sort of in tandem with the Yetzirah, leading you to to commit sin exactly. and causing you to stumble in your faith, which is, I think, what Yeshua is honing in on here. Yeah, which is why I think he used the definite article. Right, no, I agree. Because we want to... So we need to remember that we we are in a battle. You know, it is warfare. And this is why there's great dissension over who these hagias, who these holy ones are that Yeshua comes back with when he's riding that white horse, who are these holy ones? These guys who are going to wage war when he comes back. Are they the heavenly angels? Or are they us? Because we're waging war as well. Hmm. Bottom line, though, to keep us moving, that third one, keep us from the evil one. Fourth request, verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Reiterated in verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So what are we talking about? What's the, what's the $9 word here? If you get into the word and you start changing, what's that called? Sanctification. Sanctification is that nine dollar word. You know, I, reading this, I used to, based on prompting from from others, but I, I used to kind of struggle with saying the the part in the blessings that uh, you have sanctified us with your commandments. Yeah. Because it's it could I mean because there is definite like like literal scripture verses that say you are sanctified in the blood of Yeshua. Like literal scripture verses that say that, but I think there's other scripture verses that indicate that, like this one, yeah. that it's like your word sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Therefore, sanctify them in your word. Exactly. Therefore, sanctify them by your commandments. Sure. Like right, it, it fits perfectly. But they're not mutually exclusive, right? Exactly. There it is. They work in tandem. You bet. Yeah. Well, and also the word sanctification is it's like sanctuary. We're talking about the idea of. of holiness setting apart exactly which is a totally different concept than 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 necessarily quote unquote salvation i mean if you if you're wearing if you're wearing zizi you are automatically sanctified from basically everybody else in your office because you're the only one wearing zizi that's right now at the same time so if you have to put a red nose on your nose right well that, that well although walgreens is trying to get us all to do that um if you if you look at the zizi and that keeps you from, you know, looking at something else you shouldn't be looking at. That's also sanctification. That's right. 
but that's but so it's like it's like sanctification has many layers and levels to it. Sure. I guess I'm trying to get at. So, so we're yeah. set apart either way yeah. by practicing them, by being set apart, by being members of His family, by being called out as part of His uh, salvific work. Um, the Greek literally is like the motzi. The Greek literally has, they are not out of the world. They are not motzi, out of the world, right? Who brings forth bread out of the earth, motzi lechem, right? It's the same concept, only in Greek. Hmm. So we're not from the world. We're not coming out of this world. We're now of a different world. Hmm. And he says this, as if he's already done what he did. So what's the concept? We're not the way we used to be. And we're There's not. status change. Yeah. We're not the, the people we were born in the flesh to be. We are different. We are changed. We are, I hate to say it, born again. We're born from above. We are different. We are renewed. We are regenerated. There's 47 different you know, phrases we can use for this. What does Judaism say we are? We're becoming what we were intended to be. We're going back to the, to the spark that he put within us. The image of himself in which he created us is what we're going back to, which most of the people in the world do not. Yeah, and this, I feel like this is such a perfect example of, like, why in some of the, the more ultra-Orthodox circles, including Hasidus, is that, like, you, the, the top-shelf thing you could do is attach yourself to a tzaddik. That's Find it. a tzaddik and attach yourself to him, mm-hmm. because from that is going to come, like, everything good in life. That's and that's right. exactly, because he's taught, Yeshua's talking to Hashem here, right. and says... Just as I'm not of the world, they're not of the world either. As if to remind them, why like, not? Because I'm not of the world, that means the guys that are with they're me, attached to me are attached to me. Amen. Which is and that is the most incredible thing, you know, to, to be. To, to I mean, he's he's taken a lot of the work off of our plates for sure right. on on a lot of different levels. Talk talk about leading the way, and uh, what what do they talk about uh, in the Christian Church? Um, he's forged a path. He's Braiding his coattails. No, he cleared the forest, blazed the trail. Because he has gone before us, we can boldly go for them. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. But they they misinterpret it, right? They got it into like the throne of glory or something. Yeah, we can go from the throne of glory straight into the holy of holies. We're in there, right? And they don't realize we're we're just attached to the sun. So we've got a couple of verses to look at in the apostolic scriptures. Have you noticed I'm trying to use the apostolic scriptures? Um, second, uh, I've got four of them, so you've got three or four of them. You can grab them. Second Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 6.15, 1 John 2.15, and Colossians 3.1-3. You got those? Let me give them again. Second Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 6.15, 1 John 2.15, and then Colossians 3, 1-3. through Three. Yep. All right. So give me Second Corinthians five seventeen. What is this new creation all about? Therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
so we're we're living to please him because we're a new creation creation in him because now we're not mozi aretz for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation there it is brand spanking first john 2 do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it's, it's like one or the other. You're either attached to the world or you're attached to the tzaddik. You're either of this world or you're not of this world. And then finally, those who are born from above, how are they thinking? If then you have been raised with Christ, Mashiach, see the things that are above where Mashiach is, seated at the right hand of Hashem. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Mashiach in Hashem. So we get this, right? I mean, this is nothing new for us. This whole, we're different now. We're expected to be obedient. Yeah. And we should desire to be obedient. I mean, that's, that's the life, right? Now, here's the deal. Here's the weirdness. The second part of this request, if you look at in verse 19... What do you see in John 17, verse 19? What does the Master say about himself? Because we're talking about sanctification, right? Right. Yeah. For their sakes I sanctify myself. Whoa! Hang on. How could he be sanctifying himself? This guy's perfect. He never sinned. He never thought about sinning. He couldn't sin. Well, that is sanctifying himself. In fact, actually, that's an interesting phrase because one of the things that it specifically notes... And um, that God says over and over and over again is that you should keep the Shabbat, you should do this, you should do X, that you may know that I sanctify you. I get that, but why is Yeshua sanctifying himself? For us, here, in this reference. But is it because he's in the world? And, I don't know, he's not, he obviously had no sin, but by being, I don't know, Maybe maybe it's not the sanctification that we normally think of, which is, I'm not good, I need to get better. I'm yeah. not right. best, right. I need to get better. Yeah. It can't be that, because no. he's already top shelf. Well, so what is it? The Greek here seems to indicate like setting myself apart. Right. So for their sake, I'm setting myself apart. He was already set apart. So What's his focus? That it's a full setting apart. You're right. It's a setting apart, but it's complete. We need to just forsake everything and leave it all behind. As Paul said, win the race, go for it all. And the master is sanctifying him, himself in that he is completely setting himself apart to God. It's total. Yeah, it's, that is, it's really interesting because you can take that like both ways that you understand sanctification. Because if you understand it simply by a life filled with keeping the commandments and right. the pursuit of holiness. Right. Well, that's absolutely right, because right. he also told us to be perfect as he is perfect. Sure. So it's like, I'm keeping the Torah perfectly so that they may keep the Torah perfectly. Exactly. And then, but you think about it on the other side, which is more of the Greek indicates, like more of like the setting apart for the service of Hashem. Completion, yeah. So it's like, I'm setting myself apart for the service of Hashem, just so, so you should follow in my footsteps and do the exact same exactly. thing. Yeah. So... There's his, his fourth deal. Um, Philippians 1.6 talks about he who began a, work, a good work will complete it in you. Same kind of deal, right? That it's, it's going to be totally done there. Um, what's the 
What's the vehicle of sanctification that he talked about? Truth. It is. A word. It is the word of God. It is truth. I just had an interesting thought about, about that because he says earlier is um, sanctified in truth, your word is truth. Yes. And in, in the first chapter of John, it, it talks about uh, the word the became flesh. flesh. And, and, and then, of course, I thought about the in the in the shock Greek prayers where you say, Adonai, the Lord your God is true. Amen. So it's, it's just a big ball of wax, and every side you look at it is the Master and the Word, and the Word and the Master, and living flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, He is the living Word of God. So good. All right, so we'll move on because we're running low here. Five, uh, fifth request in uh, John 17, verses 20 and 21. I don't ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The uh, the Greek here in 9 and 15 is... Uh, erotao, uh, and it's a verb uh, for asking here that's not so much, oh please would you do this for me, subordinate asking a, a master or something, but rather it's it's equals. Hey, can you can you grab that bottle of wine for me? It's, you know what I mean? It's it's same level deal. And that's what's implied in the Greek here as he's this desire of an equal that he's asking for them. So, unfortunately, as you look at this, it's not what the church taught me. What would you understand these this to be here? Who's he praying for? Who's he talking about? Um, I would assume it's like the it's the entire everyone who follows him throughout history. Not just the guy standing here right. that I'm eating with, right? Including the guy who left. But Which this actually this is a fun, another fundamental Jewish concept, because um, one of the things that they specifically one of the things that we're supposed to remember, in the six remembrances, is how we, us literally, stood at Mount Sinai. Right. Well, in fact, Moses specifically states that what he's saying in Deuteronomy isn't just for the ones standing here. But also for those who will be, you know, later on, yes. as though they were there with them. And in both cases, excellent. In both cases, the Greek here is not a future part participle, shall believe, but is actually present participle, believe. I do believe. Yeah, which counts eternity. So we're looking at it viewed from the vantage of eternity, both about the mountain. We were there. We heard it. All of us down through time. And he's praying not just for those who believe, but those who believe down through time. It's an amazing thing. Um, and his, his focus is on unity. That, not that we'll all belong to the same Messianic congregation. Not that we'll all have the same doctrine, but that all will, will be unified. Um, he says in verse 21 that they may be one, uh, verse 22 that they may be one, verse 23 that they may be perfect in unity. Um, the 
whole idea, I think, if we take it back to his previous request, is that we'll end up being spiritual adults. That, because have you recognized that the deeper your walk is and the more you've been walking, and you come across a young believer, you don't need to argue theology. You need, it, it's just not important anymore. It, you want to love on them and you want to help them grow. And the little nits are insignificant now. You're looking for that manhood of spirituality. Here's, here's a young man who's about to be a tzaddik. He's, he's on the right path and he's growing. And, and, and that's the deal. And I think that's the, the focus here of the unity is we'll all end up being tzaddikim. We'll all be those ones who fully know our Father because we've been diligent to be sanctified, to be in the Word, and to be studying, and to, be, to stay away from the evil one, and to, to win that battle of faith. I think that's the, that, that's the focus here. Comments? Well, with Independence Day coming up, I thought this, like, this concept of being unified without picking on the differences we might have is, is kind of the concept that our country was founded on originally. So you had a lot of different faiths throughout the 13 colonies. You had the Presbyterians, you had sure. the Quakers, you yeah. had the... A lot of pluribus different... Unum. What's that? Pluribus unum. Yeah. Out of many one. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's good. Good, good, good. All right. It's kind of interesting, too, how, like, in the spectrum of, of like, spiritual growth, mm -hmm. it's like, as your halakha and your your deeds kind of increase, it's like your doctrine sort of decreases. It becomes because, insignificant. Yeah, because you, you end up, I mean, it's like the most wise of men, someone like Solomon, for instance, yeah. in Ecclesiastes, it, like doctrine is kind of like, I, I have no clue. I have no clue. I don't understand any of this. <laughs> you know, like, it be, it because, and that's what ends up happening. Like the, with the smart, the really smart people, it's like their answers are... Like, like the Rebbe, his answers are always like, what are you going to do about this? Not like, let me try to explain this to you, and here's exactly how this is. Right. This it's is always the like answer. a practical nugget. Like, this is all we need out of this. Let's yeah. just take a little practical things, we can start doing this. That's right. And don't even worry about trying to understand. Because yeah, it just doesn't it's matter. Way too, yeah, it's way too big. And That's it's exactly. so funny, because it's typically in the beginning of a walk that it's people the, think they've got the it all right. figured out. They could take the, the test and yeah. memorize the catechisms and... They're good to go. The, um, Paul ends uh, Ephesians 5 uh, in this, this same kind of concept, that we would stand before him with no spot or wrinkle, that on, the day, on that day we would be holy and blameless. And that's really, there's nothing to do with doctrine. It has everything to do with how we act and whose we are. And Paul also emphasizes, especially in the book of Philippians, the significance and importance of unity not arguing with one another, not trying to succeed in a selfish ambition and all these different types of things, which right is actually very interesting because um, Judaism also emphasizes the importance of unity. Um, one of the things we teach with the with Sukkot, which we're halfway there, yep. um, is the idea that the, the four species um, represent the four different types of Israel, including the wicked one um, within Israel, but that uh, the worship of God, even by the righteous, is incomplete without the wicked. And like it's, it's as though like all of Israel as a group needs to be united in the service of God, even if some of its members are lacking. Right. 
rather than having this fractured, some people are, are, are doing it, some people aren't, but it's like the group, the unity of the group is essential for it to be ideal. In fact, we get that this, this portion, because um, the blessing, how goodly are your tents of Jacob uh, dwelling in unity. And they, they teach that he saw like the whole, the whole group as a block. Right. And it's because they were together that they received such a great blessing. So we're all, all going to hum to the end of the class now. Uh, you're exactly right. There's the cool section in the, in the Shakrit liturgy where it's talking and on that day, Adonai will be one, one his, his name, will, his name be will be one. one. And, and it's, it's really neat that I think it's just after that that the Shema occurs. And there's... Um, some really powerful things, you know. It's it's worth it. I mean, I'm I'm just now beginning to dig in, in it with just just the Shema. Yeah. But it's you know the common translation. I mean, when you're when you get to it, you realize okay, right before it, blessed are you Hashem our God who gave um, uh, something to his uh, to his people uh, to the Torah to his people Israel in love. Okay, and then what's the what's the First blessing right after you say the Shema, it's it's ve'ahavta. Mm-hmm. It's okay and okay. So we've got this concept of love, uh, sort of bookending Shema. Well, the two main points the Shema is pointing out is okay. Not only the oneness of Hashem, the unity, as it were, uh, as related to this 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 discussion. But that the fact that he is ours, that that he is so otherworldly, but that yet we can still consider him ours. Mm-hmm. If you concentrate on this hard enough, the the translation of the Havta actually becomes uh, it, it's you know the common one is and you shall love Hashem your God, but it's it's really more like okay. Once you contemplate that the creator of the universe can be yours and his oneness, I, I, I always like to think that if, if you think with that oneness and that he can be yours, that you are one with him, then you won't have, it, it's not so much a, that you shall as in like an imperative you will love. Just thinking about these things, you won't have any other choice Right. But to love him. You will love him. You will love him. Amen. Exactly. All right. Yep. Well. No, it's okay. I've got two more here. Come on. Right, Six right, for us. We can talk later. John seventeen twenty four. This is weird now. Stay with me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given to me, be with me where I am. Hmm. Remember, he's projecting, right, uh, to... A different place, a different time. So that they may see my glory, which you've given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So, what, what is he desiring? What, what is it that he wants for us? To see him as he really is? I think that's exactly right, yeah. To see his glory and to see him as he really is. And it's amazing that he says, Dare 
I want them to be with me. But 11 of the primary ones he's praying for are with him. <laughs> but the, well, they're not really with him. Because he's projected, he's, he's in the tabernacle, he's standing before the throne, he's interceding, and what is he, what, what is he actually saying? Put it in words. Put it in an action. Not just see him for who he really is. When is that going to happen? Where is that going to happen? What's the deal? Who is the bride of Messiah that's being prepared? When is this meal of Messiah? It's more. It's it's, it's not quite. See, see doesn't quite do it justice. It's more like experience. Exactly. It's Father. I did the work, and now I'm going to have the kingdom. I turned down the four options I had. Bread, stones, top of the temple, you know, all that stuff. I got it. Yeah, I got it. And I'm praying that they'll all get to see that. That they'll be with me in glory. I don't think it's a, it's a pie-in-the-sky Christian, you know, marriage up with the Lamb in heaven thing. I think it's, as Joshua said, that we will see him as he really is in his glory this is the one whose foot this foot can move and split the Mount of Olives that we would see that how does that happen we're faithful to the end until he comes and we're caught up with him as he gathers his people from the four corners of the earth. And yeah, there it is. Go ahead. And the whole like seeing of his glory after being with him in such a lowly state. Yeah. Kind of like sweating them. Yeah. <laughs> them being sort of prompted by themselves to like kind of go, go after him. It's so interesting because when we were talking that one class about like the awakening from above versus oh, yeah, yeah. the awakening from below. Hmm. The difference being like when Hashem is the one that awakens you, like for instance at the giving of the Torah, the entire the entire generation except for two guys dies in the wilderness. Bam! Because they, it wasn't it, it didn't it wasn't sustaining. Right. Like Hashem awakened them, they were like oh my goodness we'll never forget this for the rest of our lives oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. Oh wait we forgot, messed up. But then when it actually happens from a state of like humility, from a state of like something inside of you that starts desiring without Hashem doing the awakening, like it's an awakening from within you, then it's more lasting. And it's like as if Yeshua is saying like, look, they did it. They, they came and followed me. Like I barely exactly. said anything yes. to them. Yes. And they were the ones that were like, you know what, fine, I'm going to leave everything. And, and so it was like... So what is he doing from for us, for those people that you just described to the Father? What's he doing? What's it called? What's the nine dollar word? That's good. That's the eight dollar word. What's the nine dollar word? <laughs> Say it again. Intercession. He is interceding uh, yeah. for his people. That's good. He is interceding for his people. Yeah. This is what he's doing right now. He is interceding for his people, and he is acting as the high priest. Now, what does what does the high priest go in to the holy of holies and intercede for with? What is he wearing? What's he got on? Oh, uh, he. Got a lot of stuff. Yeah, but specifically with regard to the people for whom he's interceding. Uh, the 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 yeah, he's got the names of the tribes, well, and he's got the appellate things. He's got their names on him. Mm. 
So it, it's, it's an amazing thing that he says, I want them to behold my glory. I want them to... Well, he's just trying to say, I want them to make it to the end. And by the way, I know their names. I've, I've got a bride that's preparing herself. And there it is. Uh, on his heart. It's unbelievable. Step out of, out of into the weird mystical world here. For I a love the too. weird mystical world. Give it um, up. Give it up. It's interesting. It's been stating that he is projecting himself, so to speak. And then he specifically says that they be with me where I am. Where I am. Yeah. Doesn't say I desire that they also um, should eventually be with me. But it's almost like they can be present tense with him. Exactly. Because Just like he's doing. One of the things that Judaism teaches. Um, and um, Ramban, in his letter to his son, um, emphasizes this idea is that when you understand the, the holiness of God, when you have a real, real fear of heaven, when you truly grasp just how great and awesome he is and how pathetically lowly you are, then it will radically change your outlook on life. And so I almost get that impression here that he's saying that they be with me where I am so that they may see my glory. In other words, it's like that they be so sanctified, so set apart from the world that they can, well, perhaps not physically see. But they get it. But they get it, yeah. they, They understand exactly who I am, and that impacts them. Um, dramatically. First John three two ties in with what Josh was saying. Are you fast on that draw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had a weird eye thing for a second. Okay. Three two. Roger that. Okay. Beloved, now we are children of God and has not yet has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. going to happen. Fix that eye thing. It's going to happen. So, will it only happen when he returns? We don't know. I like the, the Jewish mystical perspective that we, we can have a more full understanding and, I think, visions. I mean, the prophets promised this, that our young men will, will see visions. And what are they going to see visions of? There's nothing worth looking at, but the the beatific vision itself, the Holy One, blessed is He. So there you go. I think that's pretty cool, our eternal destiny. Okay, final one, the seventh final request in the Master's High Priestly Prayer, verses 25 and 6. And um, it says, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, Yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. So he's going beyond holy this time. He's called him Holy Father, but now it's it's righteous Father. And he's you know it's 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 not just set apart and, and holy essentially but righteousness to me speaks of deeds the, the, to you right this guy's holy well, set apart okay like like Joshua said you just wear the seat you're done but righteous implies I think some actions and I think uh, Paul said in Romans 3:26 you've, you've got 
this combo deal going with God. He is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Yeshua. He's, he's this righteous one. And even though the world hasn't known you, I knew you. I know you. I want them to know you. And I want, the, I want it to come together. Go ahead. There's a, this kind of reminds me of like there's the, the, this famous story of the Baal Shem Tov when he like goes to heaven and sees Messiah and yeah. you know, he asks like oh, when are you coming back you know and the long story short basic answer is like when your teaching is like proliferates across the world like spreads spreads everywhere you know and that that concept is very interesting because it sort of reminds me of this what, what Yeshua is saying in that like there is there is like a one time revelation of of Messiah in this particular case in this particular part of history, but then he says uh, where where his name is made known. But yeah. then it's like, but I will continue to make it known. Like this is okay. an ongoing process of revelation of what has been revealed. Like it's going to keep it. it it's it's got to keep being revealed. Right. Like in every generation, right. we have to be keep reminding ourselves. Because we're one generation away from apostasy. Right, mm. yeah, because I think that's just so interesting, because Yeshua is saying that I made known to them your name. You bet. So and then, now, but I'm going to continue to make it known. Exactly. So now take it back to Genesis. What does it mean that Adam knew Eve? What is, what's the type of language that the Master is using here about his disciples. Intimacy. It is intimacy. It's, relationship. it's covenant language. This is covenant language. And he used it with Abraham. Abraham knew me. And he longed to see my day. This love, this, this covenant stuff is what he's praying here. I want them to be in covenant with you as I am with you, and if they are with me, I want it all to work, covenant wise. It's as you mentioned Abraham, because what I'm thinking of here is that I have made my name known to them, and made your name mm -hmm. known to them, Yeah. Um, in order that X happens. Um, that reminds me of Exodus, because God tells Moshe, I will, um, basically, I'm going to reveal a new name to you. He says, Abraham, and then they didn't know me, they knew me by this name, they did not know me by this name. Yeah. And of course, you look at it and you're thinking the logic is, is out, is, is confusing because yeah, I don't get it. we've seen this name before. So they obviously knew the name, but they hadn't seen the manifestation of what it meant. Exactly. Like, well, how does that, what does that look like? It's kind of like, um, it, it, in a way, it, it, it would almost be something like if, if I had met Gregory at work, I wouldn't know Gregory the employee, but until I'd seen him with his children, that's when I would know Gregory the father. Exactly. So yeah. it's a, kind of the same yeah. concept there. Yeah, to, to get that, that the, the idea behind the covenant, there has to be that relationship. So if there's a distance, you can get the words, but you don't get the feeling. That's good. That's really good. Okay. All right. I am done. I think the... Um, if, if you look at the incarnation, the reduction of the master to a man, once that began, he was hosed. Think about it. The guys 
the agent of creation. He is equal with God. And he's reduced into a crib or feeding trough. And he now cannot affect what must happen. What has he done? Completely trusted entirely in the Father's enabling work to keep him straight and to raise him from the dead. And that resurrection is proof. Back to the very beginning of this thing, because there are bookends. So, he was victorious over death only because of the covenant relationship and faithfulness of God the Father to him. And he's praying that for us, that we would be in covenant with God and we would trust him to that extent as well, that we would understand our faithfulness. All right, review. First, that uh, he would glorify the Son. Second, he would keep us in his name. Uh, keep us from the evil one, sanctify us in truth, which is the word of God, uh, that we would come to spiritual adulthood, that we would behold his glory, and that God would keep us in covenant relationship. These seven things are his job as our high priest, as our Kohen Gadol. He does and continues to do these seven things always on our behalf until he leaves that tabernacle until he leaves that role and comes as king and then we won't need that Kohen Gadol because the prince of this world will have lost and our king will reign again I think it's cool. Amen? Amen. Amen. Gregory, can you give us the bottom half of that thing there? Nice socks, by the way. Thank you. They were a Father's Day gift from uh, Zoe. From Zoe. Yeah. Plural. Yeah, we thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil, and they toil. We toil, and receive reward, and they toil, and do not receive reward. We run, and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, and you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Amen.